Welcome to the Life Melbourne podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Church, like I said, this is our third and final week in an incredible topic that we have deemed, or Pastor Paul has framed up, what in hell is happening and wherever you may find yourself, maybe like I said at Life Melbourne, you've got a few new freedoms, you've got life at mine right now. Uh, we're believing that as this week transpires here in Auckland, we'll have a few more flexibilities and freedoms, but we're believing that whatever setting we may find ourselves in, we would discover the truth of what is taking place in these times and as Christians, how we should respond, how we should outwork what God is doing in and through us and these moments. And so I, I, I trust that today will encourage you afresh. And if you did miss the first week, I wanna encourage you to go back and watch on YouTube the incredible message from Pastor Paul where he really unpacked what he believes in this time is the enemy's plan, what the enemy has been up to. And really he focused on these four simple thoughts that he believes that you know there is an attack on truth alignment that God's Word is being attacked when it comes into alignment with who we are and how we're called to live. And not only that, but this is a time where if we're not careful, the enemy wants to shake our inner peace. But how many know as Christians, we live with peace? His name is Jesus. And then thirdly, Pastor Paul said, you know, that it's a reminder for us to not get distracted and stay the course. The enemy wants to challenge you and I to leave our faith, to to, to let go, so to speak, of what we need to hold on to in these times. And really, a fourth one, which, which I think is a big one, is that the enemy's plan would be that we would live in distraction when it comes to sharing the gospel. We have the good news, not the bad news, the good news. And in these times, more than ever, humanity needs good news. And let's be people that are encouraged. Maybe you we're a part of week one. You need to go back and listen to that message again because I know for me personally, it was a great encouragement and challenge. And for all of us, we need to be aware of what the enemy is trying to do in and through these times. And there was a key scripture that Pastor Paul used. And then uh, last week, uh, we framed up in the discussion with Pastor Paul and Ben Mays. And I'd love just for a moment to go back to the scripture and to Peter. And so I just want you to lean in to the words of this scripture, 2 Peter 3. And we're gonna actually read from verse eight to 14. It says this, but you, yes, you and I, we must not forget this one thing. Don't forget this, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day. Simply, God doesn't work in our time frame or in our circumstance. He's much larger than what's going on. The Lord really isn't being slow about His promise as some people think. The Lord is not being slow. No, He is actually being patient for your sake. He's being patient, why? Because He doesn't want any one of us destroyed, but He wants every single one of us to repent. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Verse 11, since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. I love verse 12, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. We can bring on God's day 
and God's goodness if we live according to His will. On that day, He will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames, but we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth He has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. How many know our world needs God's righteousness right now? It goes on to say in verse 14, and so dear friends, talking of you and I, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and that are blameless in His sight. While we are waiting, let's make a decision in these days and in this hour that we live God's way. And really, it's a great opportunity in this series for us to dive a bit deeper into the ways of God and how we should respond in times we may find ourselves in. And if you did tune in, Last week, like I said, Pastor Paul uh, led a brilliant panel with Ben Mays, who is the the teaching, uh, I'm going to call him a pastor because he really is a pastor, but the teaching legend at our Life Leadership College, been a part of life for a long time. And Pastor Ben opened up with some incredible thoughts around the book of Revelations and the importance that in these times, these end times, that we actually go a little bit deeper and discover what is going on? What in hell is happening? What is the enemy trying to do to rob us in times like this and in times of uncertainty, in times of confusion, in times that are new for us that we've never encountered as a generation but are old time and time again, as far as the Bible puts it, from one generation to the next. We can lean in to God's Word and start to discover that. And so last week, we had an awesome time looking into that. And if you did miss it, again, I want to encourage you to go onto YouTube and watch down that message because there's some great, great insights as to how we should respond and live. But today, we've actually got another great panel and I am joined again by Bishop Ben and uh, our incredible Life Melbourne campus pastor, Pastor Craig Clark. How are you guys doing? Doing really well, Pastor Luke. Great to see you both. Great to be with all our Auckland, Melbourne and Tauranga whanau as well. Very excited. Pastor Craig? Yeah. Hey, mate. It's so good to be with everybody. Great to be together. And nothing like some time with Bishop Ben. That's uh, right. It's going to be really good. Looking forward to it. Must be early over there for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's bright and early, but uh, yeah, it's good times. So good. Well, uh, I'm excited for what uh, we're going to unpack today. But maybe, Ben, uh, you could give a little recap on what you shared around the, the book of Revelations. It's a big book, and we don't have a whole lot of time to get into the detail of it. But then maybe share, a, a, I guess, a, a few more furthering thoughts that sort of lead our discussion today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, There's no challenge like trying to sum up a Bible book in a couple of minutes, but um, I'm here for the challenge. Uh, You know, one of the things we talked about last week, and again, I'd reiterate, if you haven't watched the last two weeks, make sure you get on that. Uh, But what we talked about last week was the book of Revelation reminds us that the story of humankind is not a cycle. It's not a cycle. It's just not an endless merry-go-round, but there is a start and there is an end point to this life. But it gives us a hope that it's not just an unknown end, but there is a fixed end point. There is a set and an assured end point. You know, last year we had the opportunity to be in Queenstown with a few friends and on our first full day, we decided to do the Ben Lomond track. Now, I'm sure some people have done that. Some of you, what is that? That's basically a walk up the top of a mountain. And I thought, I've done longer walks than this. This will be nice and easy. But pretty soon as people started dropping off and turning back and as the sun got hotter and as the road got longer, it felt really tough. And there was many times along the way when it was just a matter of discipline of putting one foot in front of the other that I thought about giving up. But the reason I didn't was I could see Ben Lomond in front of me. I could see the mountain in front of me and I knew if I could just get to the end, 
I'd have an incredible view. Well, that's really where John is coming from when he writes the book of Revelation. It's not written, like I said last week, in a vacuum. It's not written um, in the absence of circumstance, but it's written to seven churches in what's called Asia Minor, which is in today, uh, modern day Turkey. And these seven churches were struggling. They were the minority. They were in, in direct conflict with the culture around them. Statistics say that probably during the Roman Empire at this time of writing, probably 1% of the population knew of Jesus and served him. And in these seven cities, in fact, there was shrines set up to worship Caesar as God. And so for the church to say Jesus is Lord, that was in direct contradiction to the culture around them and could also mean incredible persecution and opposition. And this letter is written to these seven churches. These letters are written to these seven churches. It's time to remind them to keep enduring and to keep the faith. Now, we can get caught up in Revelation, some of the details in between. Uh, that's a lot of the stuff that gets a little more controversial. And some of that, what is written in those middle chapters of Revelation, some of that relates to what happened then. Some of it relates to what's going to happen in the future. But the start and the end of the book in Revelation give us the context for the overall message. And the book of Revelation starts with a vision, with a revelation of God on his throne. It's this beautiful picture of these angels surrounding God as he sits in his throne. And it says they cry out, holy, 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 day and night and never stop because of God's beauty and his wonder and his goodness. There is no other response. It talks of these elders sitting around this throne, this picture, and they keep taking their crowns off and casting them down because they realise whatever power, whatever glory, whatever honour they had is nothing compared to the glory and the honour and the power of our God. And Revelation starts with this to remind us that even when we face opposition, our God is good and worthy and greater than anything else we could imagine. And so we talked a bit about that last week, but today I want to talk about the end of the book. Because again, we end with a fixed and a sure point, and that is God's kingdom is fully realised and fulfilled. I'm going to read from Revelation 21 verse 22 down to chapter 22 verse 5 and it says this, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine in it for the glory, for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendour into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and the honour of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Stay with me. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face. Come on, somebody. They will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night they will, need, they will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. 
You know, church, that's our fixed point. That's our end point. That's what we are walking towards. Even the moments when the walk seems difficult and hard, when we feel like giving up, this is our sure future. You know, as I mentioned at the start of the book of Revelation, there are letters to the seven churches and each of the seven letters follow the same pattern. They start with a revelation of God's glory and they end with a promise of what's gonna be fulfilled. Come on, our God is the same yesterday, today and forever. We know who He is and we also know the future that is to come. And in so that sense, revelation gives us that horizon, like that day looking at Ben Lomond going, if I can just get to the end, I'm gonna see what I wanna see. If we can just make it to the end, we will see God's glory. We will see His kingdom fulfilled. And so that's the journey we're on. The best news of all is that this horizon is not just uh, some end point that is insignificant, but the Bible tells us that it's our home. And so I think that's a message revelation. Would you fix your eyes on the horizon? Would you keep walking forward? Would you make your way home? So good, Ben. I love that. So, so powerful. And I think it is really, really important for all of us to ask the question, what is my horizon? Because ultimately that determines what we fix our eyes on. And, you know, I've grown up in boats. As you know, our family loves to boat and go fishing. And, you know, when I was younger, I used to get seasick a lot. And they tell me that seasickness is because the left side of your brain is not communicating well with the right side of your brain because although you're standing on a boat and analytically your brain knows your feet are on secure foundations of a boat floor, the movement of the boat is now telling your more creative side, you may be fixed, but you're moving from side to side. And so the cure, the fastest way to cure seasickness is to fix your eyes on an island that is immovable, that is not moving. And even though you may still be in the same scenario, we are getting tossed to and fro with the waves because your eyes are fixed on something that is immovable. The, the feeling of nausea, the feeling of wanting to throw up, the feeling of unsettledness starts to dissipate because your eyes are fixed on something that's secure. And I think for all of us, it's a great reminder, are we fixated on Jesus? Who is our firm rock? Who is our firm foundation? Or are we looking at everything that's going on around us in these crazy times we're living in and we're actually concentrating on the toing and froing rather than the horizon of who Jesus is. What a, what a great reminder. Thanks, Ben. And Pastor Craig, I, I want to go to you because uh, you're wise. We had to bring in the big guns today for this one. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we're in end times. I mean, in fact, the way I would say it is since Jesus ascended to heaven, uh, we're living in the last days. You read in the, in the Gospels that the disciples lived expectant and excited for the coming day or return of Christ. And I think sometimes the rhetoric in our day and age is that we're scared of or flustered or worried about these end times and what it's going to be like. But as Ben said, actually, the book portrays that, you know, in the book of Revelations, it's going to be a good thing. Uh, So in these end times, you know, I read about uh, this word judgment day. And so I want, to, I want to throw this to you, the expert. Uh, not really, but I think you're going to actually give us some good input. But when we think about end times and judgment day and we read how people lived that are Christians like us back in the day and what we read in the Bible, what, what encouragement or what would you unpack for us in, in regards to the thought, the feeling of the end times or the judgment day and maybe people feeling unsettled about that? No, and it's... 
fantastic topic to um, to talk about, and it's something that we should bring clarity to because the Bible does bring a lot of clarity to it, and especially in those final chapters of Revelation. And so, I want to take some time just to, I guess, unpack it a little bit, and you know, and again, try and demystify the fear of it, but also. Um, really bring clarity to the significance of it because it is an incredibly important time. It's an incredibly uh, pinnacle point in all of our journey that the fact that this is temporary, but we're on our way to eternal life. And really what we do in this life determines what happens in the next. And, you know, I don't know about you guys. Uh, I mean, I know Ben loves a good test and would ace them all. But for me, I've got to say at high school, uh, tests weren't my favorite thing. Uh, if PE and lunchtime were on it, then I would be an A-plus student. Uh, but I've got to say, shout out to Life Tauranga as well. Uh, my hometown, Tauranga Boys College, represents so Logan Breyer. Love you guys. But I don't know about you, but, but, but for me, when it came to test, if I heard it was an open book test, then uh, there'd actually be something of a bit of an excitement because I, I knew in that point that I didn't have to rely right on my strength, uh, my ability, but I could actually apply what was in front of me and out of what was in front of me, I could then activate the right answers. And what I love is that, you know, when we look at the Bible, the whole Bible is actually God lovingly and strategically ensuring that we have absolute clarity as to the what we believe and how we are to live in this present life so that we can have confidence of our eternal life being with him in heaven. And as he, Revelation 3 puts it, paradise with Christ. And I don't know about you, but if there's one test we all need to get right, it's this one. And if we go just back to maybe Romans 14, and, and 2 Peter 3 talks about it as well, but the Apostle Paul is talking to the Jews and Gentiles, and they're kind of complaining about a preference they have towards food that should be eaten, and it, it all kind of dealt with the interpretation of the law that they had. And here the Apostle Paul says, hey, guys, don't get caught up on stuff that doesn't matter. But you need to keep the main thing the main thing. And it says in Romans 14, it says, you then, why do you judge your brother and sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will stand before God's judgment seat. And as it is written, as surely as you and I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow. Come on. Every tongue will confess that God is Lord. And so then we will all give an account of ourselves to God. And what he's saying is, guys, don't get distracted. Stay devoted. And then if we fast forward now to Revelation 20, where John is unpacking this moment, in verse 11, it says, Then I saw a great throne of him who was seated on it, and the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for him. Everything in this world that we know now stops. It's gone. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And listen to this. It says, And the books were opened, and a book was opened which was the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done in the records of the books. And there might not be a lot of clarity around this, but actually there are two judgments. The first judgment is the book, which is called the Lamb's Book of Life, which is the decision point of us entering into eternity. The second judgment is actually somewhat of a, like a reward ceremony as into what did we do in this life? Everything that was recorded, how we lived our Christian life, is recorded, and, and on that, there will be actually rewards that are distributed. And Revelations 22, 12 talks about how Jesus says, I'm coming soon and I'm bringing my rewards with me. And I don't want us to shy away from this, although this is a, a heavy uh, element within our faith. We must consider this and we must know it because it brings urgency to our life. But as incredible as it is for all of us 
as believers in Jesus, to have the confidence and the assurance that heaven is our home because we believe in him. The reality is, is that if we do not believe in him, if people freely choose to, to ignore God's grace, to live in their own understanding, then the reality, the Bible says, is their names will not be written in this book. An eternal destination is not heaven, but actually a lake of fire, a place of eternal separation, torment, pain, a place called hell, and, and it's real and it's frightening. But we don't need to live frightened and we don't need to live scared. But you might say to me, well, Craig, and how, how would God and why would God create a, a place called hell if, if, you know, why would he do that, that people would go there? But we have to understand clearly that God never created hell for people. It was for Satan and his fallen angels who decided to make themselves Lord and reject Jesus as Lord. We've got to understand, and this is the part that gives us great confidence and hope, is that God has done everything possible that whoever, the all and the everyone can know his grace and can know eternal life and have their names written in the book, not because of works, but by faith in Jesus. You know, we cannot get casual with the reality that Jesus came to earth. I know this might be common for a lot of Christians, but let's never get familiar that the punishment for sin was death and he came and he took that punishment upon himself. He was our atoning sacrifice and he has made us right, justified us in the eyes of God that we can have freedom and forgiveness and life. And if we look at the books that were written to the seven churches, we find that in most of those books there was actually an encouragement and this, I think, if it was an encouragement to the Christians in the church then, it needs to be an encouragement to us now, especially when we look at the elements of how distraction's taking place, the crazy theologies that are going on, trying to accept this and adopt that, the ability to divide at a whim. He's saying, and it was saying back then, guys, stay hot for Jesus. Yeah. Everybody, stay on fire for him. Don't get lukewarm. Keep a change of heart. Hold on, don't drift, stay connected to Jesus. Love him with all of your heart, surrender your life to him. Can I encourage us? It said moments, uh, numbers of times, sorry, it said repent and get right. Come on, for all of us, we must know that repentance is not a dirty word. That's the most freeing moment and responsibility that we all have to choose Jesus and receive life and life to the full. You know, I really just want to speak personally, and I say this respectfully, but I guess I know the understanding and the thought of death can be a little unsettling. In the light of COVID and everything that's going on, there's fear that's around. But can I say this respectfully? We need to embrace a fresh revelation that God has overcome. Yeah. The book of Revelation, like Ben was saying, it's portrayed and showing us the picture that he is victorious, triumphant over all. Every knee will bow and confess. So we don't need to fear but actually we can have a hope for eternal life in him. But it needs to come out of a place where we do not get familiar, but we stay in a place where we continually surrender and we continually stay on fire for him. And judgment does not need to feel like a sense of punishment, but actually instead of avoiding the thought of judgment, we can anticipate it because we know we have life and life in him. So awesome, Craig. Come on, let's put our hands together for that. That was so, so powerful. And what a great reminder that for all of us, we don't have to live in fear. 
We, we really don't, that when we surrender to Jesus, we can live in full faith, full freedom. And I love, as 2 Peter put it, that He is being patient. His grace is sufficient in our weakness. And all we need to do is surrender who we are to His will, to His plan, to His purpose, and say, yes, I choose you. And in that moment, all of eternity is secure in our lives. And I think it's a great reminder that God is not just a, a God of salvation, but He is holy and He's coming back for a holy people. So let's do whatever we can to recognize what in hell is happening. The enemy's trying to li- get us to live distracted, to live confused, to depart from our faith, to not trust His truth completely, to, to, to buy into the lie of everything that's going on. But let's be encouraged to come back to the reality of what God has for us here and now. And maybe guys, as, as uh, we turn the corner, so to speak, I, I wanna have a look at and just ask a couple of questions out of these church letters. I mean, we won't get to all of them, but uh, how we should live out today in light of what you're talking about, which is the reality of God's eternity. And so Ben, uh, there's, a, there's a church a letter that's written to a church in Philadelphia in the book. And really it's a call to persevere or to hold on. And uh, myself uh, living in Auckland, we're in week 10, 11, whatever it may be, stage one, two, 70, whatever it may be. But there is a, there, there is a point where perseverance or holding on starts to get a whole lot harder the longer something goes on. Uh, how would you encourage us in light of his eternity to live out of the encouragement of that letter to the church? Yeah, great question. I love. I mean, we could talk about we could talk about a letter per church every week. There is so much gold in there, but I think this verse has really stood out to me in that letter to the the church in Philadelphia, and it says in Revelation three eight, "I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, that you have kept my word and have not denied my name." And it's that picture of that open door before us that no one can shut. You know, there is a lot right now that is unpredictable and unknown, but there's an open door that no one else can shut. And I think it's um, resting ourselves and our thoughts and our focus, like Hebrews 12 says, on Jesus, on the one who is immovable and unshakable. The greatest challenge in my world right now, or the thing I miss the most during this COVID season is I have family in Australia that I can't get over to see. And I've realised in my own world, I can wake up every morning and think about the fact that I can't get there and the restrictions and the barriers and everything else. Or I can fix my eyes on the fact that one day we will all be together again. And that's what I choose to do in the same way. I don't know how the human history is going to play out over the next couple of decades. I don't know what my future is going to bring. But I know beyond that there is an open door that no one has shut. And if I fix my eyes on that and live out of that, it makes every day a little bit easier. Yeah, it's brilliant. Such such a good encouragement. And Pastor Craig, uh, there's another letter, one of the churches in uh, Thyatira. And really there is this, uh, the way I would read it, a, a lot of false teaching going on. The city is full of paganism. Um, there is, there's a lot of distraction uh, that's happening. And there is also then this encouragement that God's grace is there in the midst of it, that His grace is superseding if we would lean into that Again, bringing it back to current day reality feels to me like in modern day Christianity right now, there's a lot of false teaching floating around. There's a lot of giving way to temptation as there was in, in uh, the city there. But, you know, for, for us as Christians, you know, we get the concept, I think, of grace at uh, saying yes to a relationship with Jesus and we're thankful for salvation and the cross. But 
I understand a relationship to be a daily thing. Uh, in these times, in these Monday times where everything about the enemy's plan is to pull us away from living in the full grace God has and living according to His Word, what would be your encouragement to us as Christians today? Yeah, it's a, um, it is a, amazing, isn't it? Like the amount of different theories and different theology and people are just kind of wanting to absorb anything and everything that kind of tickles our fancy. And, and actually the Bible talks about and in one of the books Apostle Paul wrote about how we're going to want things that tickle our ears, uh, that suit us. Uh, but there's going to be a form of Christianity, but we're going to deny its power. And grace is powerful. Grace is not flimsy. Grace is not just a sense of, oh, everything's good. But actually the grace of God, if it can transform my eternal destination by his power of what he did on the cross, then it has the ability to actually continually be at work inside my life to keep transforming me, to keep changing me, to keep renewing me. And I guess my encouragement, and it's something that God spoke to me earlier this year about at an increased level, but it, and it might not sound very you know, attractive or it might sound, oh, I've heard that before, but it's very simple. I believe that we as believers in this time, we need to absorb and consume God's truth more than ever before. Yeah. We need to find ourselves in what does his word say? You know, we find ourselves not rather than reading the scrolls, uh, we can easily find ourselves scrolling uh, what's online, scrolling what someone else's revelation is, and we're picking up all these takeaways. But I feel like God wants his kids to have more home-cooked meals, if you can capture what I'm saying, and actually dive into his word. And God actually said to me, the Holy Spirit popped into my heart at the end of last year, and he said, Craig, I want you to read your Bible more in this next 12 months than you ever have before. And I've been pretty open about the reality that I find it hard to read. But in that moment, I made a decision, yes, I'm, I'm going to. And since then, the two books I have read this whole year, every single day, is a daily devotional by Nifke Gumbel, which attaches the Bible in a year. And I've been reading that. It takes about 40 minutes a morning. And it's hard work, but it starts with discipline. See, it, the Bible's never been more accessible to those who don't like reading. It's audible. You can do it with friends. You can stay accountable. You can have reading plans. There's, and everybody still says, oh, but is there a way for it to be easier? And I think we just got to get through with it and go, you know what? We're going to make it a priority in our lives to read his word, because when we read his word, we're listening to the living word of God. And it shapes our day and it shapes our perspective and it shapes our heart and it shapes our motive. And it also brings our alignment to him rather than trying to get him to align to me and to us. And I think once we realize that this is his ultimate authority and we let it move inside our hearts, it transforms us. But then the ultimate authority is able to move through us and we're able to shine and to live light and to be gracious and to be purpose filled more than ever before. And I can't encourage us enough. If, you, if you're struggling, it's normal, but just choose. Choose to pick up his word. Choose to read it daily. It's a daily bread. Don't stay starving. Let's live full of his truth and his life. And out of that, we're going to be able to bring it to others. So good. Thanks, Craig. That's amazing. Thanks, Ben. So, I hope you're encouraged like I am. And, and you know, we are living in uh, times which require our urgency. It requires a reverent 
fear of the Lord because He is not just Jesus our Saviour, He is Jesus our Lord. And if we live according to His plan and purpose, we will see victory a part of our lives and overcome. And just as we kind of, I guess, bring this to a close, is there any final thoughts from you, Ben? Yeah, everything Pastor Craig said. <laughs> I did all that, that's amazing. I think there's some encouragement too. In fact, I'm going to quote from C.S. Lewis in his book, Me Christianity. Um, you know, looking to the future does not mean that we live in denial of this world. This is what he says. This means that a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not, as some modern people think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one of the things a Christian is meant to do. It does not mean that you leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. I think that's the encouragement. If we'll keep our eye on that open door, if we'll keep our eyes on the horizon, we'll make the greatest difference to the people in our world and in our neighbourhoods and in our communities by focusing on what is to come. Brilliant. And Pastor Craig, you mentioned to me this week around this simple God thought, just very briefly around the PPE. Uh, Maybe just share that as we bring this to a close. Yeah, no, it it came just quickly after the first actually week of Pastor Paul just sharing and and as we wrapped up here in Melbourne and I went back live, I felt like God dropped this quick thing into my spirit, but I feel it's strong today. And it's this reality that, you know what, we have so many incredible frontline workers and we commend you, we honour you. But most of them on the frontline providing service to get through the season we in, we are in are wearing or covered in PPE. And there's a dynamic that we've been told who's essential and who's non-essential in these times. And I just felt a stirring in my spirit, and I feel it today for all of us to be encouraged that don't let the surroundings tell you whether you're essential or not. As a born-again believer who carries the light of the world within you, you are essential. The message of hope that you have is essential. The light you can bring, the hope you can bring, the joy you can bring, the peace that we can bring is essential at this time. Jesus is essential. But every frontline worker carries PPE. And where's PPE? And I felt like the PPE is presence, power, and eternity. And when we go on the front line and when we love people and we do what we're called to do, I encourage you, let's be covered in His presence. Let's be filled with His power and let's have our eyes set on eternity. And I believe we're going to bring hope and see many, many people encounter Jesus in this season. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Come on, can we put our hands together for Ben and Pastor Craig? Come on, for such wisdom and What an encouragement to all of us that in the times like these, that we have a hope, His name is Jesus. And I really felt that it would be a really smart idea, a really solid sort of thought-provoking moment for every single one of us to take stock of all that's been shared over the last few weeks and actually declare the power that is in the name of Jesus. And for a moment, I don't want you to switch off, but I want you just to allow the very presence of God Himself to, I guess, ignite your heart again. That in the, in the midst of it all, that God is still in control, that God is still able, that God is not only willing, but He will do what He said He would do. He is a faithful God from generation to generation, but it comes with a recognition that we need Him more than ever. And a de- de- declaring nature of our own lives that I will trust that there is power in the name of Jesus. And as Isaiah 46 verse 9 to 10 says, God speaking, Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God and there is none like me. Only I 
can tell you the future before it happens. And everything I plan will come to pass for I do whatever I wish. Can I encourage you, God's in control, that Jesus is above all. He reigns above it all. He is all powerful. Jesus is your authority. Jesus is our power. Jesus is our grace. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our healing. Jesus is our salvation. Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is our answer. We trust that you are encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Melbourne campus. If you're not in Melbourne, then join us for church online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifeau.org to stay connected and find out more.